Did you know that one in four of us will go to a pastor or clergy person if we feel like we're struggling with our mental health? You're listening to the Huntley Street Podcast with Cheryl Weber and Mark Masri, and today we're talking about mental health and the church. Now, here's the big question for you, Cheryl. Is clergy, our pastors, even lay people in the church, are we necessarily equipped to handle that kind of request for help? Yeah, and I think too, the thing is, even if you're not an expert or you know, you haven't had training in mental health. I mean, just the gift of listening, of compassion, of not gossiping or not judging, that's huge. And I think today I'm really excited that we're going to talk about stigma because I do think that stigma exists. And then there's also the fear of being stigmatized or even how you judge yourself if your mental health isn't perfect. And let's be honest, we're all on a mental health continuum throughout our lives. And sometimes people who've never dealt with it before at a certain age, all of a sudden hit something where their mental health declines or just on a weekly basis, right, Mark? Some days you're up, some days you're maybe dealing with a little depression uh, in the dead of winter, you know, for me, that might be a little bit, it's dark and it's cold. Nah, that's not We might be having a few more down days than up days, that's for (laughs) sure. But I mean, in terms of the conversation about our mental health, it's not just about feeling down, but in many cases, there are clinical diagnoses that happen, that need to happen. There are professionals that need to be engaged to help us get a well-rounded treatment plan for whatever it is we are facing. And there should be no shame, absolutely no shame in going out and seeking that help, even if it involves medication. And I think a big part of this conversation is we're going to see how the church plays into this, the role of our mental health. Yes. And some of the attitudes, maybe some of the conversations that we've all been privy to, we've heard murmurings, little things, oh, well, you know, if you're a strong enough Christian or if you prayed more, you wouldn't be struggling Uh, with depression. I mean, how many times have we heard that? Thankfully, I'm hearing less of that, I have to say, but uh, that's a sign of progress, definitely. Mm -hmm. But it's just really, really important for us to be aware of these things that we should be saying and not, maybe more importantly, not saying. 100%. And I hope that you take notes for this next conversation because I think our heart and our desire is to destigmatize this conversation in the church, to normalize it, to help us all learn how to create safe spaces for whoever is dealing with mental health. And even if it's not you today, it's likely somebody in your circles. Uh, Even here in Canada, what's the stat mark? It's something like one in five. Yeah, Cheryl, the number is staggering. And although it did go up considerably during COVID, I think it's settled back down now to more than the one in five. So 20% of Canadians experience mental illness. Now, by the time Canadians reach 40 years of age, one in two have or will have had some sort of mental illness. So that's that's a pretty interesting number. That's half of us. Yeah. So this is good for all of us. It is. We all need to be in this conversation. You're going to love it. I'm going to be joined by healing communication specialist, Andrew Blackwood. We're going to dive into it with three ministry leaders talking about mental health in the church. Stay with us. In any given year, one in five Canadians will struggle with their mental health. And the church is one of the first places a quarter of us go when we're struggling but is it a safe place? To help us unpack how the church can be a refuge, I'm joined by mental health professional and healing communication specialist, Andrew Blackwood. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Cheryl. I am so excited to be unpacking this with our guests. Joining us here is Daniel Whitehead, the CEO of Sanctuary Mental Health Ministries. We have Shayla Visser, the National Director of Alpha Canada, and Marku Costomo, Director of Development for Sanctuary Health Ministries. Welcome, everyone. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Daniel, let's start with you. Prior to you taking on this role, you were a senior pastor for eight years and a youth pastor for, for two years. Yeah. Talk to me, talk to us. What was your experience of mental health and the church before coming into this role? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I often say to people, 80% of the pastoral situations I found myself in, I think were directly relatable to mental health. Mm. And I only realized that in hindsight. The other really interesting part of that for me was I was a pastor who was struggling but had absolutely no framework or language to put to that. So it was actually a point where my wife turned to me and said, I can't remember the last time I saw you smile. And I realized in that moment, I hadn't felt any emotion for a year. I'd become emotionally deadened. So I was struggling in my mental health, but I had no way to talk about it. Mm, so important that we talk about this. You know, Shayla, you lead Alpha Canada, both here in Canada and globally. Um, it's, if people don't know about it, it's kind of a, a way to, to have to a welcoming way for people to explore their faith together in community. What do you see as you lead these groups and people come to your doors? Well, I think it's a spiritual community that should be safe and welcoming, hospitable, compassionate. You know, when we train churches, we're like, how do we create a safe environment for anyone to find themselves in our midst? And I think that's what we talk about with spiritual communities being a safe haven for people struggling with mental health mm -hmm. um, or wanting to strengthen their mental health. It's a core component, isn't it? That yeah. they need a safe com spiritual community. And Alpha helps the church to provide that mm -hmm. around questions of faith, but actually it's also a great way to bring people in to start that conversation and then use something like the Sanctuary Mental Health course to help people integrate all these different components of who they are. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I know, Shayla, you talked about safety and the church being a safe place. I'm, I'm curious, Marku, because I, I learned that you were in leadership in ministry when you had your first manic episode. What was that like? How did, how did the church respond? Talk to us about that. Well, it was really confusing. Confusing for me, confusing for um, my family, confusing for my colleagues, and confusing for my community and church community as well. Uh, a manic episode kind of builds over time. So you can build um, and everyone's asking, what, what are these behaviors about? And fortunately, and a huge blessing is that one of my mentors uh, understands and has walked with many people through their mental health journeys. And he identified and walked with my wife and our colleagues, my church community. And so there's one key person that was just could see what was happening and really brought it to a head, and which ended up being an intervention and being hospitalized. That was the end, and beginning of the healing, mm -hmm. but the end of that journey uh, was that I ended up in hospital. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that anyone who's on a mental health journey has to deal with is stigma, because a lot of people just don't understand. It's not that they're intentionally mean, they just don't understand what's happening to you. And then you have the church, which we might have a little extra layer of stigma because mm. there's an unspoken thought perhaps in many people's head that Jesus should be enough. Once you have Jesus, yeah. you have joy, you have peace. Mm -hmm. Come on, the fruits of the spirit are right there. Why, do you, why don't you have them? I, I'd like all three of you, if you could, just to talk to me about, about stigma and how we, how we tear this down because it's a lie. Yeah, well, I think there's, you know, it's, it's interesting that in the last 20 years, we've learned more about the human brain 
biomedically than the rest of human history. So as an organ that, that you know, when we experience dissonance in this organ, there's a lot of stigma. Yet if I experience a, a heart issue or an issue in my liver, or if I break a leg, no one would say, well, you know, you just, just need more faith to fix that leg. Just, you know, just pray. I mean, you can pray and prayer's great. Prayer's always good, but you'd never exclude medical professionals from a broken leg. And in the same way, when, when our brains are experiencing dissonance, the manifestation is mental health challenges. It could be a diagnosed mental illness, maybe not. But the, the, the point is we do need a circle of care not just spirituality, which has a role, like prayer and friendship has a vital role, but we also need a whole circle of care to get around people. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, what do you think, Marku? Yeah, I, you know, it's true. I've experienced stigma in, in the faith context, in the church context, but I, I actually go somewhere else, is self-stigma. Mm -hmm. So one of the journeys that, I, that has been profound for me is, understanding how I was stigmatizing my own journey and where I was, you know, putting myself. So I probably experienced more stigma because it was the self-stigmatization. So, and that's a daily journey of, right. of, uh, of being honest and truthful and seeing beyond that and, and not allowing stigma from others to impact um, potentially. So there's a, a freeing journey in that, um, that I've found. I think that's so smart because maybe the reason stigma stings so much is that we're already telling ourselves stories that maybe we're broken or why did this happen to me kind of thing. Shayla, Shayla what do you think? You know, I think that authenticity in the church has been missing in some places. And, and the first acceptance of self and others is this authenticity say, this is who I am. And I think leaders, like there's two leaders sitting right here who said, I've had my own mental health struggles. And just that vulnerability and authenticity gives other leaders permission. And you know, the church is led by <clears throat> leaders who, if they embrace their own mental health, their well-being, their proactive care for their mental health, and share it with their boards and elders, their congregations, it's going to help destigmatize this and actually bring authentic conversations of who we really are. And we see it in the gospels, don't we? That Jesus ran towards people that had parts of them physically, mentally, emotionally that were broken. And yeah. if that's who Jesus is, why doesn't the church look like that? Mm -hmm. And how can we help increase a Jesus way of living yeah. as a human in our congregations? And that's why I'm so excited about this particular conversation with these wonderful people, because that's exactly what's happening. When you talk about Jesus meeting people in one state and helping them into another, I, I'm curious, Marku, tell me a little bit about how your experience with the bipolar one diagnosis has actually helped you serve others. It's hmm. a great question. I think one of them is that, um, we all are broken. There's a, a brokenness that, and so I think it's just, it levels the playing field that uh, makes us more relatable. Um, but particularly, I have this sense of calling to be a mental health advocate. And so that's why I'm here. I'm telling my story mm. because I feel called to tell my story uh, so that others that who might be struggling with their mental health journeys experience hope or experience that there's a way forward and are encouraged to take a step towards healing. Yeah. Mm, so beautiful. You know, a lot of people are watching right now who are part of a faith community. Mm -hmm. they, they're leaders in faith communities. 
what advice would the three of you have for them about how they can make their church a safer space? And I know, Daniel, it might start with the sanctuary course, which we'd love to know about. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, the sanctuary course is a great answer. Um, we've developed this resource that really helps a church from not knowing where to begin on this subject. To, uh, through eight weeks, it will take you on a journey of listening to people's lived experience through these great films that focus on people's lived experience of living uh, through mental health challenges with faith and really helps the community talk about all these key areas and understand together how to think about this, how to hold this, what the church is called to do, what the church is called not to do, how to speak about this. Building that framework and language in the community is vital so that as things occur, as challenges occur, we don't suddenly have to send people off to get fixed by doctors, which we might need doctors, but we actually know that we have a role as a spiritual community to offer care and friendship as people recover through whatever means they need. And can I just add to that and said that we have used Sanctuary Mental Health Ministries, both their course and Daniel's and his team's expertise at Alpha to help our staff. So it's also for leaders who are like, I don't know what to do for my own staff, let alone the bigger congregation. So maybe even start small. Like, what does it mean for you to do it with your staff and start there? And that's been really helpful for us. And in that, we have increased the conversation. We've learned so much. But I would say just for a general Christian who's thinking, I may not struggle with mental health. It's not been my story, but I have it all around me. I think absolutely do this course. Absolutely get educated. But in the midst of just living your day-to-day -day life in your neighborhood, I think our prayer is come Holy Spirit, help me as we run towards people's pain. Because sometimes you don't have time to be equipped properly. I think we should do it proactively, but I know when I'm not equipped, I just pray come Holy Spirit, fill me and then go towards the pain mm -hmm. and listen. Mm -hmm. Not try and fix, listen. Yeah. And I found that is my best advice for anyone who's not yet equipped. Yeah. Just pray, come Holy Spirit, run towards and listen. Yeah. I love it. Beautiful. But it sounds like that's a theme that we've been talking about in terms of safety and undoing stigma is really understanding the power of listening. Yeah. As I help Christian parents support their kids with anxiety, that's the, the key thing, mm. right? Yeah. There's a role for each of us to play and, and Sanctuary tells the church, like regardless of what your role, whether you're a leader, staff or congregant, there is an opportunity, there's a role for you to play. I yeah. love it. Yeah. I have the privilege of leading uh, the sanctuary course right now at my church. And it's beautiful. Like there's eight of us in this um, group and we're doing it by Zoom right now, but people are sharing and their own stories and we're all on this uh, mental health continuum. So people are sharing their stories from where they're coming and being really vulnerable with their stories. And I literally, at the end of each session, as we pray and leave, I'm just weeping and just kind of wiping the tears from my eyes because it feels like this safe place has been created. Yeah. And people are sharing so deeply and vulnerably uh, and, and being encouraged in the midst of that. And God is doing something really special mm -hmm. in the context of these groups. Um, so it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I, love I, think it. The, I think the power of vulnerability is so key. I, I, maybe it's a, uh, it's just one thought that I, I love is like the, the, the God whom we worship is Jesus hanging on a cross saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm. 
This is the God who we worship, an ultimate act of vulnerability. And in that sense, he models vulnerability for us. So mm. for us, as, as Shade was saying, if we can live into our stories authentically, we actually offer hope to other people who can look to us and say, I'm not alone. There's someone who understands what I'm going mm. through. Yeah. Mm. If there is one piece of advice that you could give, we only have a short amount of time left, but um, for a church that is, you know, or a leader, or someone in it just to say like, I wanna be better at this. I have a friend struggling with whatever it is. What can I do? Or my, I, I myself am struggling. What would you say? Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, a lot of it's been said before, but I think do not underestimate the power of presence. You know, the, if the incarnation teaches us anything, God came in human flesh to be near to us, to be close. And I think as painful and difficult as it can be to be close to pain, we've got to get up close to it. And that presence, just that presence can be enough to save someone. Mm. Mm. Arthur, what do you think? I would say that um, don't be alone. Push into being with somebody, push into community, a trusted friend mm. that you can share with and be with. Um, and that where you said so beautifully, Shayla, allow others to come towards your pain. Be vulnerable yes. and share that. Yeah. I think this is an opportunity for the church, for not just people inside the congregations, but outside. And so the advice I'd like to give is first, take care of yourself, as they've said, right? Be present to the pain, but also look beyond the four walls of the church to the community at large that is suffering greatly. And they don't even have faith as one of their tools in their toolbox. And so how can we be embodied faith people out on our streets, in our neighborhoods and in our community where we invite people to to come into a safe environment. So create a safe environment for first you, your staff, uh, your colleagues, your congregation, but then don't miss the opportunity before us, which is outside of the four walls in a world hurting that needs the church to be a safe, welcoming, compassionate, listening community. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you for your leadership, your authenticity, your vulnerability. This is, this is the church. Oh, I could have listened to the three of you forever. It's been so good. And for anyone watching who feels like they could use some support on their mental health journey, or just even praying for a, a more understanding and insightful heart, whatever it is that this has sparked in you today, I just want to remind you of a resource that we have. They are prayer lines, that number 1-866-273-4444. You can email us a request at prayeracrosses.ca. You can go to our website and chat. There's help for you if you feel like you have no one to talk to. There is somebody waiting to talk to you today. The walk of faith is the, the catalyst to online discipleship, to a, life, a lifestyle of change. One of the missing keys in our churches today is not programming, it's not uh, strategies, but it is really taking up the mantle that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28, 19 to 20. He says, make disciples, teach them what I've taught you. And so when these people come to us, whether they're Christians or they are searching for Jesus, what a mentor does is take them from where they are and travel with them, walk with them literally into a space of becoming like Jesus. There's this mantra that I go by. It's at the end of every email that I send. Meet people where they are, not where you expect them to be. 
So when we meet them where they are, we encourage them and we walk with them and help them to become disciples of Jesus Christ by helping them to navigate and see their struggles through the lens of Scripture. What a great productive conversation, Cheryl, with you and Andrew and your guests. I mean, a, a great panel, a, a great panel of people to be speaking to church life and culture. Uh, Shale, of course, running Alpha Canada, which is like a big church organization across the country. And of course, Mark Hu and Daniel and their work with Sanctuary Mental Health. Um, you know, the thing that st- stood out to me was, let's make the church like a place where there can be like this 360 circle of care, right? Mm. And 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 by that, I mean... Let's pull people in. We want to be a hospital. We want to be inviting. We want people come, people to come in and feel safe and welcome and know that there's healing there, but also know that there is sometimes the necessity for some other therapies and things to come alongside your faith journey to help make you well. And let's encourage people to go and get that help if they need it. Yeah, and that's, you know, when we talk about stigma, I mean, we talked about this in the panel, this idea that, you know, if you have Jesus, you should just be fine, which is kind of like, I guess, you know, would you judge somebody who had a high blood pressure? No. If you have Jesus, you shouldn't be a diabetic. Well, there are a lot of diabetics sitting in the pews. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And mental health is the same kind of thing. And what is the care that you need? Is it medical? You know, encourage people to do that. Is it counseling? Encourage. I, mean, I encourage people to do counseling, regardless of whether you're struggling with your mental yeah. health. It's so helpful to just be make yourself more healthy, um, and that spiritual support, that prayer, that listening. I just, I'm so passionate about making sure that we don't pile on how people are already judging themselves. What Marku said, like, congrats to Marku first of all for being so authentic. You know, I, I have somebody that messages me from time to time on uh, Facebook Messenger, and she has bipolar. She's been diagnosed bipolar, and she hasn't gone to church in years. She's mm-hmm. terrified to go because people don't understand when her behavior changed, when she's having a manic episode, um, and they, they don't know how to help her. They don't know how to relate to her, and she's been really hurt, and I don't think that's an uncommon story in the church. So for someone like Mark, who, who's been in leadership, who is currently in leadership, to just be so honest about it, I think it gives us all so much freedom now to have this conversation. Yes, absolutely. And authenticity in the church was one of the messages that really rung loud and clear, you know, listening back to your conversation. Um, Let's be authentic. Let's be vulnerable. Let's make sure the church is a place for that vulnerability to happen without judgment, fear of rejection, you know, fear of the sort of the, the, the offhanded comments or the conversations behind your back, a place where it's like, we love you. We accept you. We know you're struggling with something like, you know, Sister Sue has got a heart condition and Brother Bob has a, you know, like you said, has diabetes. You're struggling with your mental illness. Each one of you need a unique medication and a therapy to make sure that you can live a healthy life. And let's encourage that healthy living. But we can only make people feel safe coming into the environment of church in the context of, of, of this particular conversation if we are willing to look at ourselves first and be honest about who we are, yeah. right? And what we might struggle with and share, be vulnerable with each other. And don't be flip. Like, you know, yeah. the, you know, the thing that we say to each other sometimes is just like, oh, just pray more or just, oh, just, just read this scripture or believe or confess it over yourself every day. Nothing wrong with that. And I've interviewed people uh, who have struggled with mental health, who've used scripture in a really productive way, but it's just that oversimplification that if you just did this, you'd be fine. We don't know. We're not the experts on it. No matter, you know, even if you've taken this mental health course that Sanctuary offers, there's still, it's, it's professionals who really need to be helping a diagnosis like that, but there is a role to play. 
play. And you know, it's funny, just this morning, I had coffee uh, with a woman that I've only met once, but she was sharing with me online afterwards that she has been diagnosed with some very serious cancer. It's probably not treatable. Um, and so she's, she's someone who has served with her whole heart, everybody in the church. Like she's the woman who'll come visit mm-hmm. you in the hospital. She's the one who'll come cook you dinner. Like I can't even believe it when she tells me all that mm-hmm. she does. And yet here she is in this moment and she shared it with a few people. And after church, she's going home alone. No one's inviting her to lunch. Like what she's poured out, nobody's pouring to her. So I, mm-hmm. of course I challenged her about being authentic and about really telling people about what you need not being so self-sufficient, but it's also for us, you know, to make sure that we step up. And, and I know I was praying this morning about what to say to her and God just said to me, just give her the gift of presence, Hmm. just being there and listening. And I think that's a lot of what the church's role is when someone's struggling with a mental health, just caring, just listening, just being there, even when you don't have the answer, which is hard for us, right? As Christians, we want to have the answer. We want to have the answer. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, to your point about being a caring and listening ear for those that are in need. We've got some amazing prayer partners oh. available, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You want to talk about no judgment, loving, warm, uh, you know, inviting uh, individuals that just want you to know the presence of God, the love of God in your life, regardless of what what you bring to the, to, to the table, whatever it is you're battling with, struggling with, mental health or otherwise, they just want you to experience love in a real tangible way. And they are available to you. We want to give you this number. So I want you to jot it down because you might not have anyone that you can get in touch with right away. And you're feeling in a pretty dis- desperate place right now. You feel like you've come to the end of your rope and you really don't know if you can face another day. And I just want to speak to you right now. You pick up the phone and you call our prayer lines and we will do two things with you. We will pray with you. And secondly, we will put you in touch with an agency that will help you get better and get whole. Listen, it starts with prayer. Always, we always want to make prayer our first response, not our last resort. So here's this number. Get ready to write it down. It's 1-866-273-4444. That's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every day of the year. We are there for you, we care for you, and we love you and uh, and want you to know that. And maybe you just need to hear someone say that to you on the other end of the line. Yeah, absolutely. And since we are in the digital world right now, you could also email us if you want at prayer at crossroads.ca. We'll pray over that. Or you can just go to crossroads.ca and there's a little chat bot down there and it's not a bot. It's actually your digital pastor. He will pray with you. He will encourage you. Man, we need each other. That is the one thing I've learned in life. If, if years have given me the perspective, can't do this alone. We need to be there for each other. We need to ask for help and we need to be there for each other. I hope you were inspired today. You have been listening to the 100 Huntley Street Podcast with Mark Mad and Cheryl Weber. Thank you for your ongoing support of Crossroads, a supporter-funded nonprofit organization and member of the Canadian Centre of Christian Charities. Thanks to faithful people like you, we are able to continue producing 100 Huntley Street. You can write to Crossroads PO Box 5100, Burlington, Ontario, L7R4M2, or visit crossroads.ca to learn more about our programs.